Well, let's get into the, the teaching of the Word today. I want to talk to you guys today about the journey. Here's the thing. We all want God to answer our prayers. We love answered prayers. We want all of God's promises fulfilled in our lives. But are we willing to go on the journey to see those prayers get answered? Are we willing to go on the journey to see those promises fulfilled? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We have been teaching through the book of Genesis. And this is actually part 12 of what is a 14-part series. So we're, we're almost through. I didn't think it was going to take 14 weeks when we started. But it has. And, and that's okay. Um, but uh, we are now talking about Jacob. And so last Sunday we introduced Jacob. And we talked about how God chose him before he was even born. He hadn't done anything yet. And not only did God choose him before he was born, but God chose him over his twin brother who was born before him. And that was unheard of in that day. The firstborn son was always the chosen one, and yet God chose the younger son. And so we looked at last week this idea of that God chooses and we choose. Right? God chooses and we choose. So God chose Jacob before he was even born. Jacob did a bunch of messed up stuff his whole life. And because of that, had to run for his life. And while he's running for his life, God still shows up to him and reiterates the covenant promises to him. And the justice part of us doesn't like that. We're like, why does Jacob get the covenant promises? He didn't do anything to deserve the promises. But God chose him anyway. But Jacob also had a choice. Jacob had to choose to receive the promises of God. He had to choose to surrender his life to God's lordship. He had to choose to trust God and to walk with God. And so what I want us to see in our lives is that God chooses, and there's some things we have no control over, but we also choose. There are certain things that we have to choose that we do have control over. Now, just because God chose Jacob doesn't mean that he got off scot-free. He had to go into exile for 20 years. And for those 20 years, he had to face the consequences of all of the conflict and all of the deception in his life. We were at our Bowling Belong group yesterday, and it was actually a powerful moment when Max shared. Max said, I'm still living the consequences of my choices. And that's very true. And he has chosen Jesus, and he experiences the goodness and the grace of Jesus. But every day, he still faces the consequences of his choices. And Jacob had to face the consequences of his choices. Even though God had chosen him and God was going to be faithful, he had to go through 20 years of exile. And in that exile, faced a bunch more deception and conflict and brokenness. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. We're not going to read all of it, but we're looking at chapters 31 through 33 in Genesis today. And we're going to look at Jacob in an encounter that he had wrestling with God. And so I encourage you to read all of these chapters, but we're just going to pull a few things out of them as we get into the Word today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Genesis 31. 
And let's start in verses 2 and 3. It says, Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly towards him as formerly. And then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Jacob had been living with and working for this man Laban for 20 years now. But now things were turning. Laban wasn't so friendly anymore. Things were getting more and more treacherous. Laban kept trying to change the rules of their relationship and how he would pay him. And he kept trying to steal from Jacob. And it was getting uh, a little bit more hostile. And God comes to Jacob and says, okay, the time has come. Your exile is over. It's time to go home. It's time to go on a journey. And that's what I want to get into today is the journey to the promise. God was about to fulfill his promises to Jacob. He promised him that he would get him home safely. He promised him that he would reestablish him in Canaan, which was the promised land for God's chosen people. But it was time for Jacob to go on a journey. And in your notes today, if you've got your bulletin, we've got all of your notes in your bulletin, and you can follow along and fill in your notes with us. Is there are four things that, that God showed me that were critical as Jacob went on his journey to see the promises of God fulfilled. And the first one is this, that Jacob, through this journey, he learned how to trust God. He learned how to trust God. Listen to some of these verses from Genesis 31. Verse 7, Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. Verse 13, this is God speaking to Jacob. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Verse 29, this is actually Laban speaking to Jacob. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. And then verse 42, this is Jacob making this declaration. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and so he rendered judgment last night. Jacob, through this journey, had learned how to trust God. Through this journey, God had protected Jacob. And specifically, God was protecting him from Laban, who was dealing treacherously with him, and who this particular night was coming to take everything away from Jacob. And God protected him. God also made him rich. And Jacob had to learn how to trust God, because when Jacob ran for his life, he went with nothing but the clothes on his back. No one was with him. He was completely alone, and he owned nothing. Now, 20 years later, he is about to go on a journey back to his home city. And on this journey now, he has 11 sons. He has four wives. Now, we do not condone having four wives. All right? One is plenty. Can I get an amen, guys? Okay? One is plenty. The four wives came because of the ongoing deception and conflict that was in his life. 
But he's going home with 11 sons and four wives and flocks and herds of sheep and goats and servants to help him take care of all of this. He is going home rich. He left with nothing, but now he's going home rich. Why? Because he learned to trust in God. And here's the thing about trusting God is you don't learn to trust God in a classroom. You learn to trust God in the trenches. And that's what Jacob had to do. And you see, what happens is, is when you're in the trenches and things start to go wrong, you have to make a decision. Am I going to do things the way that I've always done them? Or am I going to trust God? And so Jacob, now living with Laban and his family, had to make some decisions. Am I going to do things the old way, which is deception and lying and talking people out of stuff? Or am I going to trust God and do this a new way? And listen, for any of us that have come out of addiction, for any of us that are trying to come out of destructive behaviors or trying to overcome strongholds in our lives, it starts not when we're all fired up and we're like, I'm going to change my life. I'm never going to do that again. No, it starts when you find yourself in the trenches, when something goes wrong, when life doesn't go your way, when suddenly something hurts, And you have to make a decision. Am I going to go back to doing it the same way I've always done it? Or am I going to trust God this time? See, God's classroom is not in a room with chairs and a teacher in front of the room. God's classroom is when life hurts. God's classroom is when somebody has come against you and attacked you. God's classroom is when something has been stolen from you. God's classroom is when your family is falling apart. And you've got to make a decision. Am I going to learn to trust God? Am I going to give this into God's hands? Am I going to stop doing things my way? Second thing that we see in Jacob as he goes on this journey is that Jacob had developed his prayer life. Let's jump ahead here to to chapter 32 now in verse 9. So now Laban has left and Jacob is on his way with all of his riches and his family and he is on his way back to his home city. And he had sent a messenger in advance to let his brother Esau know that he was coming home. Last time he had seen his brother Esau 20 years earlier, his brother wanted to kill him. And now 20 years later, Jacob's not sure if he still feels the same way or not. So the messenger comes back. And says, Jacob, I talked to Esau, and Esau's coming to meet you, and he's bringing 400 men with him. Generally, you don't bring 400 men with you for a welcoming party. It's usually an army. And so now Jacob is terrified that his brother is coming with an army to kill him and to kill all of his people. And so what does Jacob do? He prays. Let's read this, starting in verse 9. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. 
For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. He's talking about how all the people with him are so great, they had to split into two groups as they were traveling. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you. Make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So you can see we got three blanks here in your notes. What do we see that shows that Jacob has developed his prayer life? The first thing we see is this, is humility. He says to God, I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of all the goodness you have showed me. When last time I crossed this river, all I had was a stick in my hand, a walking stick. And now I'm coming back so blessed with people and riches that we've divided into two companies. I don't deserve this, God. See, as we go on the journey to the promise of God, God is going to work a humility in us. That when we go to God, we realize that we don't deserve any of the good things that we're asking for. We can get a little prideful at times, and we just assume, well, God, I'm asking for you this. Why aren't you giving it to me? Like somehow God is obligated to fulfill my every request. Now, when we're developed on the journey, it'll be reflected in our humility. God, I don't deserve any of this, but yet you've been so good to me. The second thing we see reflected in Jacob's development is desperation. He comes to God desperate in his prayer life. God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my brother Esau. I'm afraid he's going to come and slaughter every one of my sons and every one of my wives. I'm scared, God, and I don't know what to do. So, God, would you deliver me? You see, when we're developed on the journey, we become desperate for God because we realize that there is nothing that we can do, that God has to come through. We don't want to see what we can do. We want to see the supernatural. I heard the saying one time that says God doesn't answer prayers. He answers desperate prayers. And when God develops us on the journey, we become desperate in our relationship with him. And the third word that reflects God developing us on the journey is alignment. Jacob is saying, God, you promised I'm not asking for something that I made up. I'm just asking you, God, to do what you promised. You see, when we pray in alignment with God's will, and when we pray in alignment with God's word, we can pray with a confidence. You know, there's been a lot in the faith movement throughout the history of the church that has moved beyond faith and has moved into presumption. Right? The whole name it and claim it. That I can just be presumptuous that if anything pops into my head, I can ask for it and God has to give it to me. And that's just not true. When God develops us on the journey, we come into alignment with his will and with his promise. And then when we pray, we're not praying for selfish things that pop into our head. We're praying for the things he's already spoken over us.
Listen, if you're in your prayer life and, and you're just not sure what to pray, just open up the Bible and start praying the promises that are written in the Bible. You can't go wrong with that. God, you promised this. I'm not asking for anything new. God, I'm just asking you to do what you already promised. We can see the development of Jacob's prayer life reflected in his humility, in his desperation, and in his alignment with God's promise. So now the story continues. We're going to pick it up in verse 22 of Genesis 32. It says, Now he, Jacob, arose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, which is the river he was talking about crossing. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. I find this interesting. Now, what Jacob had already done is he had already sent several parties in advance, each party loaded with gifts. He's going to try to wear Esau out with gifts so that by the time Esau gets to him, he's already run into three or four parties of people just blessing him. Now what he does is he sends his wives and his children across the river first. Right now he's thinking, well, maybe if Esau's mad at me, maybe if he sees my wife and kids first, he'll soften up a little bit. So he sends his wife and kids across first. And now Jacob is all alone. He has sent everything he owns across the river. And so in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. This is a strange verse in the Bible. This just kind of comes out of nowhere. Wait, he's sending people across the river, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jacob's all alone. If he's all alone, then why is he wrestling with a man? Because he wouldn't be all alone if somebody else was there. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh and the sinew of his hip. We come to discover through this story that this strange man that Jacob was suddenly wrestling with was God himself. And I believe that any time that God shows up in human form in the Old Testament, that it is an Old Testament representation of Jesus. 
So what we see here is after Jacob has sent everybody else across the river, Jesus comes to encounter him. Now, what I want to know is who started the fights? Because it doesn't say. And I think it's kind of important to know. Right? Did Jacob show up? I mean, did Jesus show up to start a fight? Did Jesus show up to be hostile with Jacob in this moment? Or did Jesus show up for another purpose and Jacob was the one who became hostile? We don't know, but all we know is that these guys were wrestling all night long. And apparently Jacob was so aggressive in this fight, which of course God could have won at any moment. Let's be honest, right? Wrestling with God is kind of a futile effort because God could win at any moment. Yet I believe that this is God showing his grace, that God didn't just win the fight instantly, right? It's kind of like dads when we wrestle with our kids, and we know we could dominate them right from, from the first step, but we give them a little bit of a chance, right? We let them get all up on us a little bit before we bah, slam them down and remind them that we're still dad, Okay? But in the midst of this wrestling, apparently Jacob is so aggressive that Jesus, just to slow him down a little bit, has to reach out and strike his hip and actually separate his hip just so that Jacob might back off. And yet, even with his hip separated, it says that Jacob doesn't back off. And so the third thing there in your notes about this journey to the promise is Jacob had the tenacity to persevere. So why did God let the fight go on all night long? Maybe because he wanted to see just how much tenacity Jacob had. And why does God wait so long to fulfill the promises in our lives? Maybe for the same reason. Because he wants to see just how much tenacity we have. How badly do we want it? Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He's like, we can do this all night long, God, but I am not going to stop. I've been through too much. Do we have that kind of tenacity? See, sometimes we just want the promises too easy. We just want all the goodness. We want all the breakthrough, but God wants to know how bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to wrestle all night long? Even when your hip is separated and it hurts, are you going to keep holding on? That's part of the journey is to just keep holding on. How many of God's promises have we missed out on because we let go before the night was over? If you're going through a dark season and you're just waiting and desperate for the promises of God, just keep holding on. Have the tenacity to say, I'm not going to let go. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm not going to let go. That's how we'll see the promises of God. That's how we'll see him come through. So then God, in the midst of this, says, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. 
And God says, your name shall no longer be Jacob. Of course, we know Jacob means supplanter, which means to take somebody's place through deception. And he says, from now on, your name will be Israel, which means to strive with God. And so number four in your notes is that Jacob's character is transformed. And this is really the final phase of the journey to the promise is the transformation of your character. You see, a new name equals a new identity. And God, in the midst of this wrestling match, by saying to Jacob, I'm giving you a new name, what he is saying is, is it is evidence that you are transformed. You're no longer the man that you used to be. You're not the deceiver. You're not the liar. You're not the manipulator. You're not the man of conflict anymore. There's something new about you. You've gone through the journey, and you've been transformed, and you've come out on the other side. You see, there's something in a name, and there is something in an identity. Our first child, our oldest son, Andrew, we named him Andrew Dean. Andrew means courageous, and Dean means leader. And so before he was born, we had already declared him to be a courageous leader. Because we knew there's something in a name. And God knew there was something in a name. And he knew that Jacob could no longer live his life under an old label or an old identity. Jacob could not see the promises fulfilled in his life if he was still living under the oppression of the deceiver. Of who he used to be. And so God needed to confirm right there in that moment that Jacob was brand new. And I believe he does the same thing in our lives. I could not fulfill God's purpose for my life under the old labels I used to live under. Addict, criminal, thief, hateful, angry. That's who I used to be. But when I encountered God, he changed my identity. He changed the label over my life. He changed my character and everything about who I was. And Jacob was no longer the same man. And I want to encourage you today, as we are journeying to the promise, what is the final test that God is looking for in the journey? That you're no longer who you used to be. That you can stand and declare with boldness, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not prideful anymore. I'm not selfish anymore. I'm not wrapped up in that sin anymore. That's not who I am anymore. And it's through encounters with God that our character is transformed and that we find that new identity. Let me invite the worship team to come back as we finish today. Let's go to Genesis 33 and the end of the story. Then Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. 
He put the maids and their children in front, and Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. But here's the key, verse 3. But he himself passed on ahead of them and bowed down to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. One chapter earlier, he was sending his wife and kids on ahead of him. Now, after an encounter with God, where he now has a new identity and he's been transformed, now he's leading his family. He's no longer hiding behind them. He's out in front of them. See, when we encounter God, we will no longer be a people that hides behind. We will be a people that steps out in front. And I didn't plan to say this, but I just think this is prophetic right now. God is calling you to step out in front. The season of hiding is over. The season of staying behind is over. It's time to step out in front and lead. It's time to encounter God. Amen? Jacob was a different man, and he stepped out in front. And then verse 4. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. At the end of the journey, God fulfilled his promise and answered Jacob's prayer. He brought him back to his family safely. Jacob said, Lord, please deliver me from Esau. And he gets there, and God had already changed Esau's heart. God had already given him favor with Esau, and their relationship was restored. So Kauai Bible Church, as we are on the journey to the promise, what we want is we want God to just answer our prayers as quickly as possible. But that's not what God wants. God wants to see us transformed in the journey. He wants to see us changed before we get there. And then we'll get there. And then we'll see the promises. Then we'll see our prayers answered. I've talked to a lot of people in my life who have said something like this. Yeah, I gave God a chance, but he didn't come through. Nothing really changed, so I don't go to church anymore. What do you mean you gave God a chance? Jacob was in exile for 20 years. 20 years before he could journey to the promise. You see, we want the promise, but we don't want the journey that comes along with it. God is calling us to the journey. There are some prayers he wants to answer. There are some promises he wants to fulfill. But there's still some journey. There's still some steps that we need to walk out. There's still some development that God wants to see happen. Can I invite the prayer team to come forward today? If you're on the prayer team, if you'd come up. And if you'll stand with me today, we're going to sing one song together as we close. And I just want to invite you, if God is stirring your heart today, as we go into worship, sorry, Mom, I want to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. Is God trying to work humility in you? Come forward for prayer. Is God trying to work desperation in you? Come forward for prayer. Is God trying to bring you into alignment? Come forward for prayer. Does God have you in the trenches right now and you're trying to learn how to trust Him? Come forward for prayer. Is God testing your tenacity and you need the strength to hold on in the darkness? Would you come forward for prayer today? If you need God to speak a new identity over you, 
so that you can step into a new season. Would you come forward for prayer today? If any of these things is speaking to you, I want to encourage you, come forward. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. There is no judgment in this place. We only want to see God move in our lives. Father, work in our hearts even now. As your word has gone forth, let it be a great encouragement to each one of us on the journey. I pray all of us would leave here today another step closer to the promise, another step closer to the answer, because we press forward on the journey to see you develop us, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Come for prayer today.